Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Good morning, I'm J.R. Sanders, lay leader of the church. And at this juncture in the 11 o'clock worship, Pastor Sarah makes a precarious descent to the front of the church, but I have regular shoes and regular socks. But I am, however, wearing this Hawaiian shirt today for two reasons. Several weeks ago, I was challenged by a member of the congregation that, J.R., I would give money to the church if you ever wore a Hawaiian shirt. And then secondly, and more importantly, I'm wearing this in honor of Doug Gaskell. Uh, Doug and uh, Jeff Thompson are members of our church who are this weekend in the Augusta County Correctional Center and with our Kairos ministry. And I don't know if Doug owns anything other than Hawaiian bowling shirts, but uh, I, am, I am wearing this today in his honor. <clears throat> So as, as Linda had already said, Pastor Sarah is on, uh, on vacation. I don't think she's gotten down to the Caribbean. I think they were going to be in the, in the Bahamas this week. But it's a well-deserved vacation nonetheless. And uh, this uh, past Tuesday, we had our annual church conference here in the uh, sanctuary with our district superintendent, Danny Kestner. We had a really good turnout, many more than we normally have for that, for that event. But I think it was just a sort of a testimony to the growth and the feeling in the church. Um, we reviewed our church accomplishments over the past year. We presented the leadership and committee structure for 2018 as well as the budget for 2018. On an interesting side note, I, he had questions and answers. So I asked Danny, I said, where are we in the district with our uh, attendance and data and stats and all of that? Uh, Danny sort of deflected it that night. Uh, mainly because he, he sort of went off on the spiritual uh, side of, uh, of going to church and uh, church attendance. But um, later he emailed me, and uh, I just thought it was something I, I felt like passing on to you in the congregation. We are in the top five of churches in the Charlottesville district. The district encompasses 74 United Methodist churches from, I didn't know this, all the way from Sperryville down to Amherst. So it's a long, linear district, much like our voting district, I guess, 5th District of Virginia. But, um, but we're in the top five. And the number one church in our district is, uh, no surprise, Culpeper United Methodist Church. Huge growth over the last decade up there. They um, uh, average worship is about 450. I'm not sure how many services that encompasses, but I think it's at least three. We are in a, uh, and, and the number five church is... Uh, Zion Crossroads, uh, Mount Zion United Methodist Church, with about 160 to 175 church members. Again, that's average Sunday attendance. We are sort of in a middle scrum with Aldersgate United Methodist Church and First United in Charlottesville. And we're in the 240 to 270 bracket of, of a, a, average attendance. And so I think that was, a, that was pretty meaningful data. And I remember about five years ago in our strategic plan, you know, the number one goal of this church, bing, 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 was to reach 250 in attendance. So 
Um, that's more or less uh, where we are. Uh, we, we average slightly more than that here at this church now after the, the recent years of growth. So we have much to be grateful for, and I'll elaborate on that theme by celebrating as a topic of the sermon our desire to serve Christ and others. I'll be filling you in on many programs of the church today that embody our motto of love, grow, go. The worship, Bible study, fellowship, and service outreach opportunities that we do in the name of Christ. And I would challenge you as we start this sermon to be thinking about ways that you can serve. Think about ways that you might be willing to step up and volunteer in the days, weeks, months ahead. So our two scripture readings today tell us two things. It's Christ's great commission to feed, our, to feed my sheep if we truly love him and wish to emulate him. The passage from the Gospel of John depicts uh, seven of his disciples who were in the Sea of Galilee fishing, and they'd been out there fishing all night and uh, without any luck at all. Sun was coming up. I'm sure they were tired and cranky and irritable. And Jesus was standing on the shore, but they didn't recognize him at first. And he yells out to them, fish on the right side of the boat. <laughs> Maybe he saw something from the, from the beach that they didn't see, but they went ahead and shifted over to the right side of the boat and immediately started bringing in a huge horde of fish. And uh, they then recognized Jesus and all came ashore, and he welcomed them to join him for breakfast. And Jesus engaged Simon Peter in the challenging and reply, which Andrew, Andy already read. Now, I love the British accent, by the way. It's fantastic. Um, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Simon Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus is telling Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples and us that the pure essence of his ministry is to feed and tend to the lambs and sheep of the world, to care and protect all those less fortunate, to love Christ and to serve others in Christ's name is therefore our highest calling. Not to get the most money, not to have the biggest house, not to have the most friends on Facebook, but to love and honor Jesus Christ. Still haven't seen a funeral where they had a U-Haul hooked up to the hearse. The next step in our faith journey, then, is to look for specific opportunities, those tangible ways we can be part of Christ's challenge to feed my sheep. The most important passage in the second reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians is chapter 4, verse 12, quote, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's not just the pastor and church leadership who equip the rest of the members to function in their own ministries, but ultimately it's each and every one of us who must commit to giving time and energy to the gifts of service God has given us, as, quote, each part of us does its work in verse 16. And it's clear that the pastor alone cannot do it all. We've been in churches before where the pastor felt like they had to do it all, but not in this church and not with this pastor. The analogy I draw is one of a train moving forward. The pastor's vision and leadership is the engineer in the cab, but it is we, the congregation, who provide the train, the people, the energy, and the power to move it down the tracks. And then before I go into some specific programs, missions, and opportunities, I want to praise Pastor Sarah. If she were here, she'd probably be blushing, or maybe she'd be shooting me daggers. But I really want to praise her for her dynamic, energetic, and spirit-filled leadership. I truly believe 
that she is the right pastor for us in the right place and the right time. And that's what I told our church conference Tuesday night. <clears throat> I must, before I begin, praise the dedicated office staff that we have here at Crozet and I Methodist Church, Church Administrator Linda Warwick, her assistant, Kelly Shiflett, and then in no random order, Kelly's Angels. And you know who you are, but I'm going to name them out. I'm big on shout-outs today. Mary Lee Swift, Mary Ann Bowden, Cindy LaRue, Daisy Sandridge, Jane Rogers, Connie Herring, who have been invaluable in the running of the office this year. It's been really great. If you saw how many bulletins they folded on a weekly basis and how much stuffing they put in here like a pork sausage, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how they do it, and they do it all with grace and charm and goodwill. So thank you very much. And also, forgive me in advance if throughout to this morning I forget to mention all of the ministries that we are involved in and all the people that do it. Uh, it's just I'm trying to hit as many as I can. It's a shotgun blast. But um, the interesting thing was at 9.30 we had a brand new family that was sitting right there in the fourth pew, a mom, dad, a sister, and then three children. And I said, uh, you all are new here, right? And they went, no, we came here last Christmas. So I said, okay, great, regular tenders. Um, they, they're wonderful people, and I just said, you know, I'm not Sarah Ivancho, and they went, we got that, and I said, um, but uh, you're going to, ho hopefully you'll get something out of this sermon because we're going to cover a lot of the programs of the church today. And so um, they sought me out afterwards. Well, they were going to get the uh, Operation Christmas Child box, but then I had them cornered, so they turned and said, oh, we really liked it. So anyway. Our first slide, Maestro in the back, thank you very much. Most of you may recognize this as Christmas Day 2016. Over four services on Christmas Eve and then the service on Christmas Day, we hosted over 1,000 people. And in the second slide, you can see that children did come in their pajamas and maybe a few adults, although I'm not taking names. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, ministry of the church at a special time of the year. And then Easter Sunday, we had over 800 people here across three services with an awesome musical celebration by a combined praise band and our own adult choir. Hallelujah. And we even had a, I call it a, a small orchestra. They call it a mini orchestra or accompaniment. Anything more than a flute or a fiddle up there is an orchestra to me. But anyway, it was really great. It was just wonderful, wonderful music, awesome celebration. And these services were transformational, the sheer numbers of them, because they showed what our church could do in our worship and attendance. And they were a tribute to our pastor, our worship team, our combined choirs, and more importantly to you, members of this congregation, because many of the people that flooded us at Christmas and Easter we're invited by you. You invited your friends, your neighbors, co-workers. They came because they wanted to see what we had to offer. And even though it may take 10 months later for them to come back, they're back. <clears throat> so we've also expanded children's worship. You heard uh, Karen uh, Rubendahl talk about the uh, children's worship here at 11 o'clock. At 9.30, we routinely have a great deal many more children for that worship experience. I think we had about 20 or 22 this morning at 9.30. But Karen takes specific care to bring the message to the children in the fellowship hall 
which parallels the message that Pastor Sarah is giving here in the church. And it's just a really, really wonderful education that they receive. She did some Q&A up here in the front, and some of them knew the answers to questions I didn't know, <clears throat> which is pretty impressive. But like everything else, volunteers are needed. You'll see the call go out to help with children's worship whenever you can and to, uh, and to even either lead or assist. And Karen sets everything out and lays everything out for you. And there's, there's, there's other assistants that will help you as well. Other musical groups in our church family include our youth choir under the direction of Jennifer Carroll. They did a great job last Sunday singing for Youth Sunday. And uh, really, good, uh, really good voices they are also looking for more students to join them in the, in the months ahead. And I must mention our own special Beaver Creek Bluegrass Band, started by Jackie Sandridge. Thank you very much. It has been a wonderful complement to our church music program. Beaver Creek has performed for us or led our worship experience here in the sanctuary, but it's also performed for the town of Crozet out front of the church during the 4th of July parade on our plaza, during church uh, picnics, and for other gatherings. And then probably even more importantly, they go to uh, assisted living facilities, and uh, particularly mountainside, and give performances to many of the people there that can't get out very much. But it's just a really great um, ministry of the church. And who doesn't like gospel music and the old-time music? It's just really, really wonderful. Kingswood Christian Preschool took this picture last week for the assembled staff. It was started right here in this church by Jen Whitley, ably assisted by Trevor Henry, who said uh, this morning, Trevor was a greeter, and I said, hey, you and Jen started that thing. He said, no, 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 Jen started it. I was the project manager. So uh, correction to that. But in truth, Jen went to Doug Forrester and said, I think this church could use a preschool. And uh, I remember back in those days, we had a number of... Uh, meetings about it in the church family because it was no mean undertaking to start a preschool from scratch. Judy and I went to a few of those meetings because in our old church down in Orange Park, Florida, one of the genesis of their growth was when they started a preschool and it became an entire part of that church ministry and we were really wanting to support that here in this church family. But uh, at that time there were three, three teachers uh, Jen uh, Whitley, our, our own Temple Jensen, who sits right here, except she said she was not going to be here today. Uh, they're spreading Joe's, acid to, uh, Joe's ashes up at a cabin in the mountains. And uh, Jenny Briney. So they had three teachers and 22 students back in 2007. And now it's at uh, 60 students, full capacity with a staff of 12. And it is such a caring and warm environment to see those children being taught. Uh, Pastor Sarah has taken a real personal interest in the preschool. She uh, is uh, uh, out every morning, Monday through Thursday, greeting the family, greeting the kids. Kids come running up, and they don't look at her face. They look at her shoes. But anyway, they, uh, she is the face of the church out there for the preschool. And then she does chapel in here two days a week for the children, uh, many of whom their families do not go to church. But it is a, is a powerful introduction to uh, the Christian uh, gospel that they get in preschool. The, um, and, and so we also have Heather Taylor, who is here at 930, uh, attends our church regularly, and she's also one of the preschool teachers. It's a really great program. The food pantry. 
I, I, like, a, I like to give shout-outs. Started by Polly Sheets and her husband, Mac, 1986. This food pantry has become the largest one in Western Albemarle, serving hundreds of clients every month. These are some of our volunteers who gather on Monday afternoons now, which has become a big deal. Four to five o'clock on Monday afternoons, they, uh, they set out food for the clients. And in, in contrast to many of you who are used to boxing up the, uh, the goods, on Monday the clients come and they can just select from a variety of uh, items. Many of them have been uh, gleaned or, or brought to us by a team, uh, John Clark and particularly Vivian Newton. Vivian usually sits right over there today. I wanted to give her a shout out. She is a saint of the church because Vivian has been doing this for a long time where you go to uh, Monticello Food Land, you go to the food bank, Mondays. It's food that right there that day is either going to go to a food bank or it's going to go to the dumpster. It's our choice. It's you. It's our church. We're there. We're there to capture the food. We load it into bins and boxes. And she usually brings back, Deb, um, 10 to 12, 15 boxes, something like that. Deb is also, Deb Short has done it as well. But it is an amazing ministry because you come right here to the church, a growing team of volunteers offloads it into the basement. And then when the clients are there at uh, 4 o'clock, some of them are out in the parking lot at 2.30, they can come through and get what they want to select. It gives them empowerment. It gives them a feeling of worth. And uh, due to the nature of the process, I, I've seen some amazing stuff out there because some of these, uh, you know, 10-pound birthday cakes are going to go to the dumpster or they're going to go out. So if you're into birthday cakes or a lot of pastries or a lot of things like that, they've got that. They also have produce and vegetables and meats that can range from pig knuckles to steak. It's just a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful ministry. But the main distribution still, still is on Saturday morning. And on Saturday morning, we, um, we do our main offload at 7 o'clock, our distribution. Clients line up about 6.30. And uh, the, uh, as they come in, they're, they're usually greeted and registered by our own Pat Patterson sitting over there. Pat, for many, many years, has been the face of our church on Saturday morning food, food bank distribution. For many years, she did it with... Uh, Virgil Strawn, and then uh, now I think uh, Sarah Terrell's kids sort of help her out with uh, greeting the clients, registering them in, uh, determining their, 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 their boxes, and then uh, letting them go get, the, go get their food. But the, the, the precursor to that on Saturday is uh, Friday night box packing. Many of you in here is your first introduction to um, ministry and service in our church, in our church was going to uh, box packing on Friday night. So uh, that is a picture of our group in May. Uh, there'll be some familiar faces in there. And um, we had uh, Friday night box packing. We had about 15 this time. We had about four or five uh, children and about 10 to 11 adults. Um, it's just a really good way to plug into that ministry of our church. And uh, Kevin Palmer wasn't here at 930 because he's still on business travel but I really wanted to give a shout-out to Kevin Palmer. We owe Kevin a huge debt of gratitude because Kevin was, has been the director of our food pantry for 13 years, and he is finally uh, stepping down now, and uh, Connie Herring is uh, stepping up to be our director of the food pantry. Connie just retired back in February, and back then she was sort of wondering what she was going to do in retirement. 
So here she is, up to her eyebrows in the food pantry, but there's a lot of moving parts, and she's doing a really good job of getting things moving forward in that ministry. <clears throat> Rides Against Hunger. I, had to, I, I usually write that down as Operation Share House because that's what we did for many, many years was Operation Share House. This has now been termed Rise Against Hunger, and it is probably the closest mirror to Jesus' challenge, Feed My Sheep. We do this every year. We raise money through uh, sacrificial donations over Lent, 40 days of Lent, 30 cents a meal, plus a Shrove Tuesday pancake uh, breakfast, excuse me, pancake supper. And then we, uh, we raised over $7,000 this year, which goes to all the supplies, all the rice and grains and nutrients that then we put together to build these packages of dried meals. And uh, the, the net number this last year was 26,000 meals, which is a huge number. And it, uh, this year, Patrick, I think it all went to Haiti. I think it, was, I think it went to Haiti, but it, some years it's gone to the Philippines or some to, uh, to other locations. But that is a really good multi-generational event that we do here in this church. And uh, we shifted this year to doing two two-hour sessions instead of one three-hour session. And it seemed to go a lot better. Vacation Bible Camp. Significant mission for our church and an outreach to the community. This year, this summer, we hosted over 90 uh, children with over 30 adults and teenagers who were volunteers. Pastor Sarah personally wrote the program Dragons and Doctrine, which was very well received by the children and adults alike. Uh, we had wonderful music, wonderful games and activities. Those of you who participated know how meaningful it can be, and we'll look forward to your participation next Sunday, uh, next uh, summer. However, there's still some dinosaur eggs in the back, if anybody's interested in uh, cleaning, out the, uh, cleaning out the inventory. So, Sarah, see me after the service. <clears throat> Impact Richmond, moving along here. Impact Richmond, there's Clifton Ivancho, Sarah's husband, one of the team leaders we had at Impact Richmond. It's our one big out-of-area mission trip every year, primarily students in uh, high school, junior high, high school. You call it middle school. I'm dating myself. Um, but uh, it, it was a huge success. It was very, very hot this summer down there in Richmond. The, the kids really worked hard. I see a number of men here still awake. Good. Thank you, Laura, for hanging in there. Um, I did this six years ago, and it was just an amazing uh, mission for our church. You, you may think your kids don't work hard or sleep in late or don't listen to you on the second or third time. These students down there in Richmond are just, just amazing. And over the years, I've seen the ones that I worked with grow up into being wonderful young adults in college and uh, going off to the Marine Corps and places like that. The, uh, uh, but it truly was a labor of love for our youth. And the, the team that was on, on this year was Dennis Hutchins. He coordinated it. Clifton Ivancho, Karen Rowlinson, Jeff Thompson, Marcy Malinowski, and Lauren Syme. And I'm telling you, it was a really, really wonderful mission trip. United Methodist Women come up next, led by Bonnie Gibbs. Very active ministries supported by fundraisers such as Yard and Bake Sales. And mark on your calendars, Saturday, December 2nd, Christmas Bazaar. There's something there for everybody. So kids, bring your grandparents and great-grandparents. Uh, over the years, they've raised uh, mm, two to $3,000, roughly, for the Christmas Bazaar, Saturday, December 2nd. It's a wonderful uh, 
missionary of the trip of the, of the church because they then do they funnel this money into a host of mission areas, probably a dozen different areas, scholarship monies, sponsorship of events and activities. And it's, a, it's just a really strong mission of the UMW. The Methodist men have, have, have involvement on a sort of an ad hoc basis. We uh, do the Shrove Tuesday Pancake Supper and the um, mowing ministry of the church. And... Uh, <laughs> I told Harold I wasn't going to give him a shout out, but Harold and I were out there this weekend, and he was going, "Jr., I don't know about this." And I said, "You're looking great, buddy." And uh, he <laughs> he said, "I feel like I'm a weed eater for the Lord." And I'm telling you, Harold was covered up to his waist in clippings and everything. But the bottom line is, it really makes the church look good, and um, people like Jeff and Sandy Thompson can come in with their trailer. And doing 45 minutes, which takes two or three of us two hours or two and a half hours to do. But the bottom line is we want this place to look good on Sunday morning. And uh, I think it does that very well. So, the, uh, and these are some of the ladies, of course, Bonnie on the left, Marianne Bowden, Ann Toms. They are actually folding right there in that slide the boxes that are in the back. So uh, Operation Christmas Child is uh, on its way. The 930 service virtually cleaned out more than half of the boxes, so my challenge is to you is to make sure they disappear this morning. Moving on to the prayer team and the prayer ministry. This has been really, really one of the wonderful ministries of our church. Our prayer team actively prays for the people you lift up on the connection cards each week. And remember, if you want it confidential, don't check the little box that'll send it out on email. But it is powerful, powerful witness and prayer on behalf of anybody you put down on that connection card. And then uh, the prayer shawl ministry uh, was started up almost in parallel with the prayer ministry. Um, each prayer shawl is hand-knit and blessed by Pastor Sarah. We're going to have another blessing in uh, next Sunday for our healing service. And uh, I don't know how many, I don't want to take a hand count here about how many in here have had one of our prayer shawls, but it is for all of you. It is for you, your family, friends, co-workers, anybody that is need of care and comfort, you can come to the office, good to check in with Kelly, and just go through the selection and pick uh, a prayer shawl out for your loved one or someone that you, that you care for. We did this for my father two years ago when my mother passed away after five years of Alzheimer's. Dad keeps that prayer shawl right on his easy chair every single day, and he uh, wraps it up at night across his legs. Others uh, at 930 service, Teresa Frazier, many of you may know Teresa has been in kidney dialysis for probably five years now, at, at least, and Teresa is just a living example of the power of prayer and the power of a prayer shawl. And I talked to her this morning and asked if I could mention her name and talk about it, and she said, yes, in fact, I do kidney dialysis two days a week, and that prayer shawl is part of my dialysis kit. And I go in and wrap up when I have to sit there for two to three hours, two days a week, to get that dialysis. So um, that is just an amazing ministry of our church. And many of you may not know, but each one has a, a, a little satin um, placard on the prayer shawl, and it says, May you feel the warmth and care of God's love. Crozet UMC Prayer Shawl Ministry. Powerful stuff. And in Jesus' words, 
take care of my sheep. For the greeters, you can't talk about the church without mentioning the greeters. The face of the church when you come up to worship, a warm welcome is the first impression a visitor has in our church. Our greeters of all age send a positive signal to our guests that everyone is welcome in this congregation. And we need more greeters. So if you feel the urge, if you feel the challenge to step up, you know who you are, uh, to be greeters, then put it on your connection card at the end of the service when I'll be issuing a challenge to you. But particularly with our Christmas and Advent season coming up, because this Christmas, I don't know how many have looked ahead on their calendars, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. Advent ends Sunday morning. Christmas Eve worship begins Christmas Eve that Sunday afternoon. So Linda and the worship team and Pastor Sarah have been working on this already now for the last couple of months to figure out how many services and when we're going to have them. But suffice it to say is that the rough sketch is one on Sunday morning, which will end the Advent season and be our regular Sunday worship, and then that afternoon we will have three services for Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day we'll have the service that we, we opened the slideshow with. But we need greeters at all of them, and we need people to be invited and people to come. So be, be looking ahead to that. I could not have a slideshow in this church without talking about Boy Scout Troop 79. Our scouting program in this church is simply outstanding. Troop 79 has been here in this church, sponsored by our church since 1950. Some of you were not born at 1950. <clears throat> Some of us were. 1950 was, uh, and since then, since 1963, they have had over 70 Eagle Scouts in this, in this program, in this church alone. Very, very active. They have a weekly meeting in the basement, and then every month they do a vigorous outdoor overnight activity. They go kayaking, they go hiking, they go biking on the Creeper Trail down in Abington. I think they give certificates for how many nights you've been out camping when it froze. So if you're out in your tent below freezing, you get a gold star on your forehead or you get a certificate or something like that. But those guys, those boys and men are really, really active. We have 43 boys in the scout troop right now and 30 adults. For the Cubs, Cub Pack 79 has 75 boys uh, currently, currently registered, and it's a it's a testimony of somehow, sometimes we get hurt for space in this church. Where are you going to meet? Where are you going to meet? So I was down there talking to the Cub Scout pack leaders, and they said, oh, well, we have got more packs than we can meet in the church. So two of the packs meet. One meets at Tabor, and I think the other meets at the Crozet Baptist Church, just for space considerations. And then for the Girl Scouts, the Girl Scouts do meet in our facilities, but they are not sponsored by our church. They use our facilities like, like other groups in the community. But I did want to mention the Girl Scouts use our facilities. The final slide of my slideshow. What can I say? I told Jennifer, you're going to be up there. This slide shows the pure joy of fellowship at our senior lunches, coordinated by Susan Miller. Thank you very much. Uh, Jennifer Roth and Myra Swan epitomized the love and friendship of being involved in the church family. Or maybe it was those onion rings. I don't know. 
This, this is just a, an amazing group of people that meet once a month, different restaurants, and enjoy each other, other's fellowship. Judy and I started going 10 years ago when we were honorary seniors. Then as we slipped past the big 6-0, we became junior seniors. Now that we're on Medicare and Social Security, we are seniors. So uh, we're right at home with that group, so thank you very much. <clears throat> the slideshow has ended, and now, as I used to say, in Naval Aviation, when, the, when the, uh, you're briefing in the ready room and the slide crapped out or something happened, you'd shift to hand puppets. <laughs> and we'd talk like this, but we're not going to do that. There's so many other ministries, events, and activities in our church, so many challenges and opportunities going forward. Many of our most, if you had noticed and paid attention, many of our most meaningful missions were not top-down from the United Methodist Church or the pulpit. They came from you in the pews. They came up from people who saw a need, who developed that need, developed that program, embraced by the church, embraced by the church family, and have gone on over decades to serve either the children or the hungry in our community. So uh, they were started by people in the congregation just like you. A big challenge going forward for us is going to be the revitalization of our youth program under Stephanie Hicks in outreach to our own students in our congregation as well as those in the community. And also Pastor Sarah has started a new youth Bible study on Sunday afternoons. And I am, uh, Judy and I go to Thursday night Bible study with Pastor Sarah and I will just tell you in one word, she is amazing. When you sit there and sort of sit at her feet and try to grasp the level of knowledge that she, is, uh, that she has about not only the New Testament, but also the Old Testament. It's just a fascinating uh, way to learn about, about the Bible. And we have additional Bible studies. We have another five in our church family. I would direct your attention to the bulletin to, to look at some of those that are offered. There's, uh, you know, Monday, Monday mornings, there's Wednesday night at Pro Renata Brewery. There's Thursday morning at 7 o'clock for you early risers. There's a women of faith here this morning at 8.30 that, uh, that meet. So please pick one and get involved. We've also had in the last uh, uh, year, we've had two very meaningful women's retreats uh, sponsored by uh, primarily Claire Kent, Hillary Nagel, Robin Eaton, and Pastor Sarah's involvement as well. I wasn't invited, but I can attest to the fact that they were very powerful weekend, uh, one-day retreat by uh, several dozen of our women. And I want to mention the great work of our communications team, headed by Doug Gaskell, who's at Kairos Ministry, and Lynn Eckert, who was at 930 Worship. How many people here get the weekly e-news? Okay. For those of you that don't receive it electronically, it's printed for you every week and available on the back table. I didn't do this at 930 because most of those people are already sitting on their cell phones. But if you are interested in what goes out from the church every week and you want a piece of paper that tells you that, it's in the back after church. But it's also, along with the church website, the Facebook page, and uh, <clears throat> whatever Twitter is. We're on, we're on Twitter, too. But it's all first class, all professionally done. And I've trolled some of the other websites of our fellow churches in Crozet just to sort of check and see what they're up to. And our website is really, really good. Very well done. And interestingly, if you review the connection cards from first-time visitors, 
There's a space on there that says, what got you in the doors of our church? Ready for this? One-third say website. One-third say personal invitation by friends and family, neighbors. And one-third is driving by and saw the campus. So it's not just one single thing that draws, peop draws people in here. It's a combination of factors. It's a combination of you inviting people in your neighborhood and in your family. It's a combination of the work that goes into the website that puts out all these uh, missionaries and programs. And it's a testimony to our trustees and our Methodist men who keep these grounds up for people who are coming by in the center of life in Crozet. <clears throat> there are numerous other missions and events throughout the year. We have Molos, Mothers of Little Ones, Operation Christmas Child happening today, Angel Tree at Christmas. Angel Tree is important because we buy quality gifts for the children of incarcerated parents. It's a very, very meaningful program. Those children are not responsible for what their parents did, but they're at home alone missing their parent. And when our teams bring the gifts to the door the week before Christmas that are hand-tailored and hand-selected and hand-shopped by you for those children, it is really, really a powerful testimony. The health kits at um for United Methodist Committee on Relief, an annual conference. Backpacks and school supplies in August. The list goes on and on. Liquid soap. We were collecting 100,000 ounce, 100,000, 100 ounce liquid soap jugs, and those are big suckers. All of it started coming in. All of it started coming in. Saturday morning, we lined up two tables. Our church, had, uh, Tabor had, had sent over about six. Hope Presbyterian sent over about a dozen, and we had about 75 out there for the clients to pick up on Saturday. And this is stuff that they just, if you're, if you're looking at food, you got to make some decisions about toilet supplies or, or soap or any of those other things that you need. And we were able to provide that for them. <clears throat> and so all of these follow Jesus' challenge to take care of my sheep. <clears throat> One last example I'm going to leave with you today. Y'all remember two weeks ago we were here and we filled out strips of construction paper. Everybody remember that? We handed them out. They're in the bulletin. I know Daisy worked on at least one or two for about 10 or 15 minutes. God bless you, Daisy. Here's what happened to those. Mary Alice was sitting in Bible study and she said, I just can't believe it, but when you took, when you took the construction paper rings that we did up, you did up, the cards that were on the easels in the back, the cookies, our church made uh, over 1,400 cookies for the inmates, the guards, and some of the families. But this construction paper rings came in with hundreds of other churches and organizations. And Mary Alice said on, they have a preliminary meeting on Thursday with the women, and then Friday morning they come into the Fluvanna uh, Correction Center gymnasium, and the prayer ring completely encircled the entire gymnasium. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of your love and support and prayer rings were all around that coliseum, that gymnasium. And she said a number of the women just started openly weeping because it was a tangible evidence that people outside their walls cared about them, cared about the ministry that we were supporting inside those walls. 
So thank you for that. Greatly appreciate it. So my call to action to you today is take out the connection cards that you're going to put in the offering plate in just a minute or two. Take out the connection card and look at it and see if there's a way, a place that might call you to serve. This is a little bookmark that's in your pews. You can take this with you. You can read about it. It's opportunities for service. And it also says, if you really want to do this, fill out a time and talent survey in the back or go to the website because you can do this electronically. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that you can sign up for and make a difference in not only the life of this church, but the life of the church, the life of those that we serve in this church family. So I'm going to give you a minute to think about this and discern it and write down, as, uh, as uh, Doug Gaskell would say, just pick one thing. And if it ends up being Operation Christmas Child today, Angel Tree in December, greeting, helping with children's worship, there's a never-ending list of things that we need volunteers to help with. One good example is when we collect the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, what happens to them? Well, they flow in a river. They go to Crozet Baptist Church as our Crozet point of collection. Then they flow down to North Carolina. And by the time they start flowing into North Carolina, it's not hundreds or thousands from Crozet. It's tens of thousands that are going down to a huge warehouse in North Carolina. In fact, about five or six years ago, two of our young men in our church went down there and they were forklift operators, so they worked in the, uh, in the uh, big warehouse down there for about uh, two and a half days just moving Christmas boxes as they went to containers and went uh, into uh, uh, semi-trailers and into container ships. And it Speaking of this, and I haven't checked with him to get his permission, but Paul Richards just joined our church about three weeks ago. And la- Hi, Paul. Good morning. <laughs> last week, Paul came into the office and just said, I, I want to fill out one of these. I want to see what I can do to contribute to the life of the church. And like I said, there's, there's a, probably a hundred different things on here you can do. But Paul, as a new member of our church family, saw that it was his need and his uh, place to fill that out. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.